Listeners, and welcome back aboard Costume Station Zero. And I'm back here with uh, Prop Master, Mr. Brian Wiega. Prop Master is a bit of a mis- misnomer. I'd say Prop Tinkerer. There you go, Prop, prop Tinkerer. Prop Meddler. Prop Meddler. There you go. The pro- Ooh, that should be a Doctor Who story. The Prop Meddler. Yes. Yes. He found a flashlight and made it into a ray gun. Prop Meddler. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello again, Internet. I hope we can be friends. All right. We're going to get back at it. So here we go. And the uh, the theme of the 1996 Doctor Who movie is we like Ralph Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into the seventh Doctor costume from the TV movie because you just put that together. Yeah, well, almost. Um, but uh, we had the. Uh, I was thinking, well, let's let's do dress up again. It's it was fun, and Gallifrey is a is a good crowd for it. And I actually felt a little out of place because I wasn't in costume. I mean, I had. Um, Last year, I guess I had kind of the costuming bug because I saw the, the leather coat that Christopher Eccleston had in Doctor Who, and I thought, that's really cool. I like that. And it's the same color as my dog. <laughs> um, seriously, my dog my dog features into a lot of the Doctor Who stuff. The okay. um, I got a toy sonic screwdriver mm-hmm. because I wanted to use it as a dog whistle. Okay. <laughs> and it works. All right. I have a, I have a sonic dog. Ah. Not only that, this um, this really awesome is his uh, name Canine, by the way. No, no. Her, her name is Zoe, named hey. after named after the uh, the badass girl on Firefly, because Zoe likes to pick fights with other dogs. Ah. She's a bit of a badass. But to Doctor Who fans, just say she's named after Zoe Harriet, and it'll buy you some yeah. buy you some cred. Yeah, I'll, I'll make her a silver jumpsuit. There you go. Uh- so the uh, yeah the uh, the the Eccleston coat was a lot of fun because. You know, I got a brown coat on eBay. It's mm-hmm. not exactly like the one, but it looks cool. And mm-hmm. uh, and then I got some leather dye. And it was just kind of fun to play around with the materials and dye the leather and take a brand new coat, which is probably one of the most expensive things that I'd ever bought mm-hmm. as clothing. Because, you know, I'm an engineer. I wear jeans and, and polo shirts. So I took the most expensive piece of clothing that I owned and beat the shit out of it mm-hmm. <laughs> and weathered it. It yep. was fun. I yep. want to get a, you know, now I know why people enjoy the Indiana Jones costume so much. Because oh, you just, yeah. you take these really expensive clothes and you just beat them up. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they got to look like they've been Yeah, they yeah. look good. And it was cool. I love that coat. And so I had that at mm-hmm. Gallifrey. Right. Right, and uh, a lot of people had a lot of fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, the comedian Charlie Ross was uh, was yeah. totally digging the yeah, uh, yeah, the Eccleston yeah. coat and taking it off and using it for pictures, mm-hmm. and everybody else was having a good time with it. There's a uh, a really nice gentleman who uh, who works uh, over in the UK who had the original costumes uh, to display that he displayed next to the, the console just for a quick photo op. Yeah, he had the original costumes for uh, both Paul McGann and Sylvester McCoy from the TV movie. This, was, this really was the ultimate TV movie convention, if you're yeah, a fan yeah. of that TV movie. Um, Which I was. I mean, I love that movie. It's got a dodgy ending, mm-hmm. but I love it. Yep. It's like... Um, it's like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie or Tomorrow Never Dies, the, the movie with my car in it. Mm-hmm. First half an hour is great. Mm-hmm. Turn it off after that. <laughs> <laughs> the ending is a little bit of a letdown. But uh, if you read the book and you know what Phil Seagal went through to get to get that made. I know, it's amazing. Well, because yeah. the thing is, you look at like um, my two favorite Bond movies are GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both directed by the same guy, Martin Campbell, who's brilliant. He's just—he's an amazing director, and I went and saw another movie that he made, which was known as Green Lantern, 
which was not brilliant. No. It was not very good. No. Uh, it had little bits that were good, mm -hmm. but that's a studio movie. Mm -hmm. Now, Phil Seagal and company had three studios <laughs> that yeah. they were dealing with. Yeah. And the fact that they got such a charming performance out of uh, Daphne Ashbrook and Paul McGann and Sylvester McCoy mm -hmm. and made such a cool movie that that uh, made such an impression on me as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then I watch it back again and I'm like, this is great, up to about minute 45 and then it's got a dodgy ending. Mm -hmm. So like, that's quite an accomplishment, honestly. Yeah. To, yes, to fight that many sets Sort of, of a, a super human effort. I mean, he, he, Phil Siegel took a, a decade to make that. Practically, yeah. And um, and just the, the, the design of it by Richard Hugh Dolan. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that's, for me, that's always Doctor Who. His designs are just so iconic. But And the costume's very iconic. So... We got to see the original Paul McGann costume and the original Sylvester McCoy costume. Which was a big thrill. And uh, I looked at them, and I just like, oh, that's kind of neat to see. I, it didn't look, doesn't look like it did on screen. That's no, really neat. No. And then I walked away, and I played with the, the TARDIS console and showed it off to a few kids. And then, <laughs> and then I'm listening to my, my new favorite podcast, Costume Station Zero, uh -huh. Bongo Approved. Uh -huh. And... Uh, I'm asking Bob, hey, Bob, you know, I recall that you spent about a half an hour with your nose in the Sylvester McCoy costume. So now, you know, kind of lucky that I could actually look at the the actual costume and not have to try and figure it out from DVD captures. Yeah, no, it's 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 always an amazing um, stroke of luck to get access to the original costume, especially one like uh, Sylvester McCoy's from the movie, because you're right, he doesn't wear it that much on screen. He's only in the movie for about 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're right, you'd be stuck with the limited picture and DVD reference, which would get you kind of there... But you, but mean, not not there. But not there because it, the design life, is actually pretty cool. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's like the Eccleston coat because I'm looking at his coat and I'm like, and, and and I finally found it and you know, like that's a seven hundred dollar Ralph Lauren hipster professor sport coat. Mm -hmm. I could totally wear that. I wore tweed coats in college all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So it's not really that much of a costume. It's a coat. Some monumentally ugly pants. Well, yeah, but that's a seventh doctor, <laughs> and um, and kind of a wonky tie, and uh, and a custom vest, and so you know, <laughs> you know, with a little help from Bob, and you know, basically about a week on eBay, I found all of it except for the vest, and then last week, um, you know, that's doing a lot of searching, doing it, doing a bit of searching, went to a fabric shop, and they had something that was so close, it's you know, it's going to be closer than anything I'll ever anyone ever be able to notice on a dvd it's uh, it's neat actually the, the the key with this costume and uh, i'll update the breakdown to reflect this is that uh keep in mind the jacket was off the shelf um as were we think now the trousers um, yes and they're essentially ralph Lauren. the tie was also off the shelf we weren't sure about that it's an interesting almost um it's uh, a zigzag knit tie. It's a zigzag. It's actually with the neck being almost a different material. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, is it's supposed to be kind of puffy up front, and then in the back, uh, it's it's really smooth, so that it doesn't make your collar stick out, right? Like a fool, right? Um, but I actually, it's kind of cool, you know. Uh, Paul, uh, another Paul uh, that has the Goldfinger Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. He dressed up for the first event that we did mm -hmm. with the Goldfinger Aston Martin. He dressed up in a period three-piece brown tweed suit like Connery and Goldfinger. Nice, nice, And that looks so cool. I wish I had brought my my uh, lab coat and done mm -hmm. the Q thing or nice. done another tweed, you know, a silly tweed outfit, which mm -hmm. this tie would totally fit in. It's totally, you know, like those nutty knit ties that, that Connery's wearing and Goldfinger. Uh, the big shock is that having looked at the tie, I thought, we'll never find this tie. And you know what? He, you found it in like two days. It's ridiculous. It, it, <laughs> I actually found two of them. So the first one I found was from Target, uh -huh. and it was it was pretty close was to pretty what close. was on, it was it looked like what it was on screen, which yeah. under the, the the lighting was sort of like a purplish black. Right. And for those interested, it's uh, the Monterey Bay uh, classic design label. So, but honestly, you know, for the three of you out there that want to do the Sylvester McCoy TV movie costume, and you uh -huh. don't have a TARDIS console that you from that movie that you're going to be hanging out with, you know. 24-7 for an entire weekend, probably for the next 10 years. Right. You just search zigzag tie on eBay. There's not that many. Yeah. In black. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, and then the uh, the trousers are just, you know, monumentally ugly. Um, giant check sort of. Giant checked uh, Ralph Lauren trousers, uh, which aren't so bad. 
Uh, and then it's a white shirt and this kind of neat uh, velvet custom-made uh, vest. Yeah, uh, the the vest was was custom. The um, it's almost uh, you want to look for an upholstery material is best. Yeah, I think I think it was. Uh, I mean, it it is literally like a chenille upholstery material with like kind of a paisley pattern, and it's sort of a bright red. It's like a burnt orange, burnt orange, burnt orange. Um, you know, a uh, like a, a an orangey, yellowy burgundy, something like that. Yeah. So what I found was more of like a cranberry color, but. It's going to have a good read. That's the <laughs> Nobody's going to notice. I mean, we put it, yeah, it'd be kind of funny if you brought back the costume. We can put them next to each other because you'll see how close I got. Yeah. I, I found the tweed isn't exactly the same tweed, but, you know. It's close. It's I'm not going to make... Uh, it's herringbone and it's the right color uh, yeah. palette, totally. Yeah. The um, But this is this is my favorite part about the costume is I got the coat. And it's a, it's a $600 Ralph Lauren hipster sport coat mm-hmm. that apparently was in you know they re-released it in last year or something like that or two years ago something like that mm-hmm. in the same style exactly the same style mm-hmm. and for hipsters they're they're uh, you know they're they're sized really small <laughs> so i'm a i'm a size 42 and i got a 44 mm-hmm. and i put it on and i look like an egg roll mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm like ah. Oh. I don't have another seven. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have another. You know, I I I got this for seventy dollars because I I I, uh, I bargained on eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't have another seventy dollars to buy another tweed coat. I'm gonna lose weight. <laughs> and I've been wanting to do that for you know the last five years. Right. And I actually bloody did it. I've done that for two and a half weeks. And I've already lost ten pounds. Yeah. Um. And it's um. Cosplay dieting. It works. I've I've got to say, Bob, thank you for making such a big difference in my life. <laughs> um, you know, I walk with the dog seven miles a day. The dog's happy. Nice. You know, I'm happy. Nice. And the coat's fitting. Um. Nice. It'll fit even better when we get there. So of course. You know. Costume Station Zero saved my life. Uh, changed my life. I don't know. Saved my life well, is, uh, is a bit dramatic we'll add that to the website slogan that'll be good yeah no but it's um it's it's cool because you know the funny thing about doing props and cars and this this was one of the things that i never really got into is when you're doing costuming you're you are on display Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas when you're doing a prop you've got the thing and you're holding it in your hand right and you can put it on a table or something like that or when there's a car, you often just disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of like it when I disappear when, like, when I'm doing sure. Herbie and the, the remotes. Sure. But, uh, you know, Nate, uh, Nate Truman, who's the leader of the Star Car Central charity group, which mm-hmm. if you like movie cars, you need to check out Star Car Central. Mm-hmm. And if you're in Southern California, you need to check out StarCarCentral.com and then come to an event because it's your toy store come to life. Mm-hmm. You know... We put a dozen movie cars in a row, and yeah, the Batmobile's next to Knight Rider, next to the next to Herbie, next to um, the Jurassic Park Jeep, next to uh, the General Lee, next to the Mad Max Interceptor, next mm-hmm. to the Back to the Future DeLorean, next to the TARDIS. Hopefully, once I get it built, oh. um, I want to park those two next to each other. That'll be very cool. Uh, but Nate Truman, who's the the leader of Star Car Central, says having a movie car is a lot like having a very pretty girlfriend, <laughs> in which you know, you get you get a lot of pictures, and then they say, "Oh yeah, you fat guy, can you yeah. step to the side for a second, please? Right. You're ruining my picture." Right. So it's it's sort of an alien idea for me mm-hmm. to just kind of put yourself on display mm-hmm. because I'm outgoing. I'll have a pint with somebody and and enjoy talking politics or philosophy or mm-hmm. or nerdness with with somebody but i'm not um you know i got all my theatricality kind of out when i did community theater when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. so the jump to going uh, to being on stage again and you know being aware of your your body and the way you look and the way the way you read and your mannerisms and things it's it's very different oh yeah (laughs) Uh, but it's sort of an interesting way it's sort of like taking on a new prop project and trying out a new uh construction technique like i want to learn how to do fiberglass Mm -hmm. i want to learn how to wear a costume Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of (laughs) interesting well there's always different facets to be learning here Um, (laughs) you know i I feel like i'm going the other way when i when i make a monster costume with paul or when i'm you know helping out uh, malachi on these umbrella runs which were inspired by your very first umbrella. Yeah, you know what? Day. You know what really, really threw me is you said, "Oh yeah, your umbrella. 
you you got that from one of the Doctor Who Junior runs, didn't you? I'm like, no, I made it in 1997. <laughs> right, and then I connected that the original run that was going to be done by David in the UK uh, was based off of yours because he had used your instructions. And then I'm yeah, and in the UK, I actually mailed that umbrella to him uh-huh. and said. You know, um, I made this. This is how I made it. You heat up a acrylic rod in the oven. You make a jig. You you bend it in place. You clamp it. Right. You let it dry. You sand it for a long time because you know if unless you have unless you have cookware that you can afford to get molten acrylic on, mm-hmm. you're doing this on aluminum foil, and the aluminum foil will leave marks in, right. in the umbrella. Right. But it's not that hard. It's just you know, it's as far as I know, I'm the first person who did that because mm-hmm. um, it was a long time ago yeah. um, that was the only person I knew of that did the umbrella and uh, it was on my website you know it was one of those things like that was enough work that I didn't want to just like throw it up on the website I just said yeah you want an umbrella just email me I'll tell you how to do it mm-hmm. and then I get to see how they, they do and I think I sent those instructions out I think like seven times mm-hmm. and then I found it on your blog 20 because, years later because it came from David yeah yes. 20 years later mm-hmm. I mean did you ever do any websites? Did you ever think that something that you spat out on GeoCities in the mid-90s would show up 20 years later on the internet? Uh, no. <laughs> Me neither. <Right. laughs> That's, uh, but it's so, thanks to those instructions that yeah. Dr. Who Jr., whose name, real name is Cecil, he did his runs uh, right, right, years yeah. ago. And a lot of people have those umbrellas and they're happy. Now, Malachi and I have taken it to the next step. and even Well, you start, you started with mine and then you, uh, you basically made it kind of bendy and, and, uh, and uh, matched the, the one with the screen prop. Yeah. Which, uh, that was a really fascinating interview with the, uh, the two gentlemen who have the, the original McCoy costume and all oh, those yeah, props. Oh, yeah, Chris and John. Because yeah. they, have, um, they have sort of a similar uh, opinion about screen use props as I do. I mean, obviously in a costume, you're not upgrading the electronics, but they're you know, repairing where needed and, and just keeping the art intact. Right, right. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun to see that. And it's mm-hmm. fun to see that those things survive. To, to be honest, one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of screen-use prop owners sharing their stuff mm-hmm. is uh, because of a problem that we've actually had with Herbie's a lot recently, uh-huh. is that if you ha- if you offer up enough information, uh-huh. what somebody can do is copy your information, sell it as an original, and make a huge profit. I mean, there's, um, there's a felon over in the UK that was trying to get, I think, like 80 grand for a, a supposed Herbie Goes Bananas Volkswagen mm-hmm. that he basically photocopied stuff from the Love Bug fans' website and was trying to pass it off, Whoa. including a title from Disney that he had modified in Photoshop. Wow. But there's a huge financial reason for that because, mm-hmm. you know, replica Herbie, 10 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, original Herbie, 80 grand. Mm-hmm. There's a big disparity in the price there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like your, your, your friends who have the, the Doctor Who costume, and one day I hope they'll be my friends too. If they come to Galfrey, I'll buy them a pint. Oh, for um, sure. The, um, uh, you know, they've got enough detail there that somebody could rip it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're trusting that they won't. Mm-hmm. And what it means is that, you know, fans like you and I and, and all the rest of the costumers can get into all the nitty gritty details and have fun with it because. You know, I'm not going to lose any sleep on this Sylvester McCoy costume if I don't get the fabric exactly right. Mm-hmm. But when I do, it's kind of fun. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. amusing. Mm-hmm. You, you get it as close as you can, but it, at the end of the day, you are limited by your time and your resources. Right, and you know, it's 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 been pretty cool because there's um, uh, what, what's your friend's name that has the uh, the tenant coats? Uh, oh, Steve, Steve Ricks. Steve Ricks. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Ricks, you know, I said, well, where do you get the, 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 uh, the bandana? He said, yeah, well, Steve Ricks, you know, made a print of it mm-hmm. <laughs> from an original. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And it's done. It's, uh, it's really neat to see the, the internet combined with, uh, the, uh, the advances in rapid prototyping mm-hmm. technology have just made so many interesting props possible. Cause you know, something that's really state of the art, like the, the Star Trek bridge, mm-hmm. state of the art for the eighties. Mm-hmm. However, these days... We can make it in a garage. <laughs> I mean, um, you want plexiglass printed? You can do that at any corner printing shop. Hmm. You need stuff laser cut? I've got three people that are all very talented that I know of that do really good laser cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know somebody with a laser cutter, you don't want to shell out the money for that. Um, you can 
contract it out to shops and mm-hmm. you know for 10 bucks more a run you can have somebody uh you know without the friend rate can make you your parts mm-hmm. if you can design something using free 3d modeling software from google google mm-hmm. sketchup mm-hmm. or you know if you have a you have university license or you go into a university and you, you go use solidworks or autocad or any of those you can send it to shapeways or any of the other you know there's quite a few 3d printing companies and they'll just charge you per ounce, and you will get your thing made. Wow. It's amazing. You can make anything. Mm-hmm. There's no reason if you can't think of it, you can't build it these days. That's, I, I know. I'm, uh, I'm just astounded. That's, that's why it's so much fun. Like the, um, these, these Sonic remotes. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the small electronics that they put in here, and the... Um, the performance they managed to coax out of this. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've, got, I've got to play with this thing for you on the podcast. This is by The Wand Company. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was going to be a remote control. But it talks in, in silly British voices. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's got lots of different voices, uh, uh, different sound effects on it that, uh, that you can use. You can use it to control things like the TARDIS console that, nice. uh, that I, that I got them for to control next year so that, you know, we can flick a Sonic and it'll blink the lights. It was, people had so much fun playing with that, that goofy Sonic remote that I That's threw right. together yeah, from yeah. a toy, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they'll be able to actually control the TARDIS with this. It just, it's, it's, um, it's amazing what little microcontrollers can do. If, mm-hmm. if you know how to make these, you can make any kind of electronics you can think of. Mm-hmm. You know, literally with a, um, with what's available on eBay or from China, or if you know how to, uh, control uh, or program or learn to program an Arduino or a, um, uh, any other microcontroller like the Atmel AVRs or the, um, or the basic stamps or things like that. Mm-hmm. You can literally design anything that any science fiction movie prop has thought of for the last 30 years. Hmm. One of my favorite pieces that we did on the, uh, on the Goldfinger Aston mm-hmm. is the, uh, the GPS map device right yeah you know it's funny nobody remembers that but it actually has the most screen time in the movie because he spends half of the movie looking at this little bleeping screen uh going around and falling goldfinger to switzerland where Mm -hmm. he finally has his big car chase and gets Mm -hmm. captured well in the movie it's a transparency and a bleep that they added in post in a blinking led Mm -hmm. uh, behind the screen so what i did (laughs) Is I designed a flat faceplate, and we went very we we um, we spent a lot of time the the Aston owner and I getting exactly the right buttons and exactly the right shapes and getting things uh, you know CNC machines so that they looked exactly right, mm-hmm. uh, keeping the art the same. Right, and then we made it really thin and stuck an eight inch tablet computer behind it. Nice, and uh, I had two very talented friends of mine. Uh, Nick Nugent, who's a, a big Knight Rider fan and a digital artist who did a Knight Rider book as well as a huge Knight Rider convention uh, that just came came on called Knight Rider Reunion, where he did all the art and wow. had original props. It was it was pretty cool. It's sort wow. of like Gallifrey for Knight Rider. They That's had no they had original props. They had Daphne Ashbrook was there too. She was she was a writer because she was on some Knight Rider show, mm-hmm. you know, in their first year or second year or something like that. Uh, he designed an animated custom map screen. So I spliced together um essentially google maps uh mm-hmm. some some variant some other company but it was essentially google maps i took overlays of uh the area between england and switzerland uh-huh. and gave this to nick and he animated it and made the little tracking dot oh, and wow. had the car follow goldfinger to switzerland that's crazy and then brad hansen mm-hmm. who's the um oh yeah brad uh, brad crave online yeah. yeah of crave online who did the 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 great uh, video of Gallifrey? The um, and as well, you know, I met him there. He said, "You know what? I like Herbie the Love Bug. Do you like Herbie the Love Bug? Let's talk about Herbie the Love Bug for forty minutes." Mm-hmm. And uh, he knew more about Herbie the Love Bug than most of the Herbie fans. Wow! So I knew he had it bad. Mm-hmm. So he pitched an idea of a web series to me mm-hmm. uh, and wanted me to introduce it to the the movie car group of about movie cars, mm-hmm. and it's called 
you know, Star Cars, and it's on craveonline.com slash Star Cars, and it's fantastic. You should watch it. It's great, yeah. I've it's seen really, really, really great. Mm-hmm. For the uh, BMW episode, we did a full car, car chase with me in my hidden driver's seat suit, nice. which is great. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Brad, he took all of the uh, James Bond movies where the Aston Martin was in it mm-hmm. and cut them together and made this great montage and uh, cropped them so that they would look good on a four-inch round screen, which, you know, for something like Casino Royale that's super widescreen, it's mm-hmm. very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And he got the rhythm exactly right on that stuff and cut the whole thing together with music and so we just play it on a loop at shows. And mm-hmm. people look in and they either see the map or that. But that's that's an example of, you know, technology has caught up to what they were thinking of in Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. I mean, the little tracking devices, you can put a Bluetooth cell phone in anything and track it anywhere in the world. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen this car. And I'm such a huge Bond fan. And I, yeah, I mean, you, oh. you tricked out a, you said it was a DB6 on a DB5. It's an Aston right? Martin DB6. Mm-hmm. So if you're a big fanboy and, and you need to have the proper continuity, you could say that, you know, James Bond, um, you know, had a, a certain Q branch car that was destroyed in the field. A couple of years later, he had a replacement commissioned. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, what it is is that uh, it's a priceless. 50-year-old Aston Martin. Sure. And yes, it's a DB6 instead of a DB5, but we traded a, uh, a five-speed gearbox for different taillights and a different bumper. I think it's a pretty good trade. Yeah, because it is very similar. Oh, it's so similar. The only difference is, is the, the tail. I actually like the tail of the DB6 better than the DB5, mm-hmm. although you know Bond fans don't, don't want to hear that. Right. Because the DB6 has this gorgeous Can-Am tail, like mm-hmm. the... Um, like the uh, the Daytona cars in the mm-hmm. '60s, right? Uh, or the um, or the you know the touring cars. It's it's like the what Ferrari used to put on the race cars in the '60s. It's right. gorgeous uh-huh. uh, with Triumph TR6 tra- taillights. Okay, <laughs> because all all the all the electrics on Aston Martins are from Triumphs. Okay, um, so it's a DB6. It's got slightly different taillights, slightly different tail, mm-hmm. different bumpers front and back. And we're actually, we've got Malachi, he's sculpted DB5 bumpers Mm -hmm. that we can snap onto the DB6 bumpers, which include the rotating license plate box, which is pretty cool. Nice, nice. And then the um, people were complaining about how little foot room there was in the uh, rear of the DB5. Mm -hmm. So they added, I think, like two inches. Mm -hmm. Um, It still means that uh, it's, uh, you know, it's only suitable for toddlers, but the original was only suitable for infants yeah <laughs> it's like my bug like literally if somebody of a normal size is driving the car yeah or a normal size passenger is in the car mm-hmm. you're back against the back seat nice uh-huh but it also it's it's glorious in that uh, it's the um it was actually the this particular car that we are modifying mm-hmm. uh or well i wouldn't say modifying we are artistically hanging things on Mm -hmm. because this car is the car uh the aston martin that was used to introduce this model at the detroit auto show oh wow and so it had all of the accessories all the extra fans all the extra heater and the sunroof Uh which is great because then we can do an injector seat Uh and we don't have to cut into the roof of a priceless car which is which is a stupid idea yes (laughs) it's a really stupid idea yeah i mean the the car is worth more than my house Mm -hmm. um but it's a it's a glorious car. We've got um, we've got a full AV sound system, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the Mark II version of what's on Herbie in the TARDIS console. Mm-hmm. So the switches in the center console actually play the sounds of those gadgets in the movie mm-hmm. and the theme song nice. and you know great lines. The taillights flip down, and there are massive fog machines. Fog machines that that uh, we've stuffed the trunk full of marine uh, life cycle batteries. <laughs> and they still, we only get about seven hours out of them mm-hmm. because they will drain the battery in mm-hmm. seven hours. But they billow clouds of smoke that envelop the car in mm-hmm. 20 seconds. Wow. Out of these fold-down taillights. And then also for Thunderbolt, we have squirters that go um, and shoot water 20 feet from the That's back of the cool. car. Yeah. Um, that was that was quite an engineering project. Any of you out there that are going to play around with electronics and water, make sure they're really well separated. Yeah, um, we ended up uh, 
essentially encasing the entire water system in a Tupperware <laughs> container wow. so that it couldn't leak because where it had to go, because we had so many bloody batteries yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. it's on top of the amplifier Oof. and all the, uh, it's literally the water sitting on top of the amplifier. Oh so God. we needed something that was, again, safe yes. and reliable. Yes. And the uh, we ran um, wiring looms up to the front turn signals. You take the old turn signals off and you bolt on machine guns. Mm -hmm. And the machine guns, you fire them off and they blink super bright LEDs mm -hmm. and make the noise of nice. the machine guns and they're cool. Wow. <laughs> and we got the we got the little the little the little uh, gear shift knob that flips up and I this today actually before I came here I was finishing up the SolidWorks on the wheel slicers that oh, come out of yeah. Now in the movie when the when the little knives come out of the yeah. side they took the transmission out of the car and mocked up a wheel because you can't get a pipe into the differential. Uh-huh. So I managed to get something that, uh, it doesn't collapse all the way, but it moves a, a real nice long amount, mm -hmm. and it looks like a nasty knife, and mm -hmm. we don't have to take the wheel off of the car, which would be dangerous. Yes. But uh, everybody out there in uh, podcast land should turn on their televisions. You remember those? And <laughs> um, for the Hollywood Parade on November 25th uh, in downtown Hollywood, we're going to have the Goldfinger car with all of its gadgets out and running. Um you know, at, at night uh, for the Christmas parade. And then my robotic Herbie will be there and another Herbie and, uh, you know, like an awesome Powers car, I think three Night Riders, Back to the Future. It's going to be awesome. You should, Sounds cool. You should see it and you should watch it on TV if you, if you don't have a chance to go to Hollywood. You know, how's this for sort of meta comedy, you know, sort of meta references? So I'm at a Night Rider convention with the Star Trek, pieces of the star trek set right um and i meet daphne ashbrook right get a book signed by her we talk and and chat and, and make jokes for about 20 minutes about the the tardis console mm -hmm. paul salamoff shows up and then we all go out to the parking lot and i uh, and then i'm assembling the aston martin and uh, and scaring her with machine gun sounds that's the strangest mashup i've ever heard of yeah <laughs> So, uh, what what projects are on your slate right now? Well, you mean the Star Trek bridge isn't enough of a project? And well, like revamping, beyond the Star Trek bridge. You're revamping the TARDIS console? Right, uh, yes, the second revamp, the yeah. part du of the part TARDIS. Part du. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the rotor is going to be the interesting bit of that. that yeah. I'm going to need months <laughs> for that to get that we want, That's the key thing, get the rotor to move. Yeah, well, that'd be cool. And can you imagine one of these these sonic remotes from the Wan Company making the rotor move? That'd be so cool. Yeah, I you know, but I you know, knowing what goes underneath that column that that's powering and everything, and I'm like, how are we gonna make room? To oh, make we can thing? totally. I, Phil Siegel was really cool. He told me how it worked. Oh, and we can make something that's actually fairly similar. They make they let gravity do all the work on the bottom. Really? Yeah. Oh. So it's essentially it's a cam. Uh -huh. It just flips up and down. So really, all you need, since it's got I don't know four, five, six inch swing, uh -huh. we can fit that in there. We may have to relocate the speaker, okay, or the uh, or the LEDs. Mm -hmm. We may have to move down an inch or two, mm -hmm. but it'll be fine. Okay. All right. The actually, this is I wanted to get some advice from you. See, okay. The um, I have a costume, and it's my most popular costume. Actually, on Halloween, there's a picture of it that was on a. Uh, on uh, one of those jokey Facebook pages, and I got 11,500 likes, mm -hmm. and I don't know, 300 comments. Okay. And it's a picture of me as a BMW seat. Wow. Have you seen that? No. It's an internet meme. I'm a meme. Okay. It's, um, what I did is, Paul, the, the Aston Martin owner, uh, I met him mm -hmm. because I was asking around on the various James Bond forums. I've got this idea for a fun gag for the Burbank Parade. Uh, this was two years ago. Uh, I want to do a hidden driver like they did in the movie mm -hmm. and have somebody in a suit holding the cell phone walking alongside. Anybody nice. look like James Bond and want to go play for a day? Nice. And Paul took up the uh, took up the mantle, took up the challenge, and he had a, he and I had a ball mm -hmm. because I bought a BMW seat, mm -hmm. hollowed it out, wore mm -hmm. it over my head like a shirt. <laughs> and <laughs> hid my hands, uh -huh. and we fooled so many people, and then just reclined the seat back, so you couldn't tell it was a little bit thicker. Uh -huh. Well, a lot thicker. I was right. I was heavier then, 
and I'm, uh, I'm, you know, it looks like nobody's driving. Mm-hmm. And so Paul had this great gag where he came up with a like a, a tap system where he tap on the trunk and signal me which way I'm supposed to go and uh-huh. what to do. And he would go into the crowd and he'd give the cell phone uh-huh. to a kid in the crowd and he'd say, uh-huh. "Do you do you do you know how to drive?" And what I would do is I would turn the traction control off and spin the wheels and go out of control. Uh. And and he would he would uh, he would pick up he would pick up the phone and run after be really panicked and run after the car That's <laughs> as James cute. Bond. That's amazing. It was so cute. Uh, but literally, we had people, and it was it got to be dangerous actually because somebody walked up to the uh, to the car and saying, "How is this working?" And, and you know, Paul was always saying, "Oh, it's radio controlled." See, you mm-hmm. know, it was just as a joke. Mm-hmm. And and the guy's like, "Really? How are you doing that?" And he he didn't get it that mm-hmm. it was a joke. Mm-hmm. And so he walked up and he's walking alongside me. And I have to turn my head, you know, inside the seat. I'm like, can you please move? You're in my blind spot. I don't want to hit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, the, the best, that's probably my, you know, the, the Herbie, the Herbie with the kids yeah. is definitely better. But the best experience with that car was the seat suit gag in the mm-hmm. parade. Because we had so much fun with that. And um, at the end the look on the parade organizer's face or one of one of the uh, uh, one of the the, the watchers the, the flagmen that, that direct the floats mm-hmm. the look on that guy's face when the top of the seat tears the headrest off to reveal a head underneath <laughs> was priceless so I did this totally cheap mm-hmm. you know I essentially I just I bought a BMW seat on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. It was the wrong color. Mm-hmm. Uh, sprayed it with the same sort of dye that I did on the, the Eccleston coat because mm-hmm. I had done that at about the same time. Mm-hmm. No, I did that before that. I used spray-on uh, vinyl paint. Okay. Uh, but I just basically sat it on top of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically had to duct tape it to a gray shirt to make it work and duct tape the, uh, the head. So I want to uh, make it... Oh, before I completely derail it so there's a picture of me as a suit as a seat with hands mm-hmm. and it's an internet meme mm-hmm. and there's either it's one of three jokes one is that i'm a pervert uh the second is that it's how you survive the zombie apocalypse all oh, right uh-huh. uh and then the third one which i like is best halloween costume ever yes um have you ever worn it as a halloween costume no i haven't okay but i've worn it you know the, the, there are occasionally bmw events and everybody gets a kick out of you know i'm like oh you see this is this is you know they did it a little bit more sophisticated on the tomorrow never die shit they actually <laughs> they actually cut the seat up and they stuck the guy in the back seat that's what mm-hmm. they did on some of the herbie movies but like on knight rider when mm-hmm. the car is driving by itself look at the seat it's fat and there's hands on it oh. um but uh so everybody gets a kick out of that mm-hmm. so that's the internet meme but it's just discrete pieces okay. and how would you go about uh attaching those to like some sort of a dance suit or monster suit or something like that so that i wouldn't because i i spend far too long you know for the couple of shows that i've done with this how would you sort this out to uh how would you attach it so that it um it would stay secure when you're sitting down you're talking about an actual... Yeah, it's a seat. An actual seat. Yeah, it's it's leather on the outside and, and foam on the inside. Uh, so, uh, you know, I could probably, you know, sew like a button. You could, you could sew big loops through the leather and through the dance suit and then back out. But if you sew into the foam, it'll just pull out because it's foam. Yeah. Uh, or you some, can barge it or yeah, something Yeah, like you're that. talking about barging or spray gluing it onto a suit. If you're talking foam, that, that'll keep it on there for sure. Okay. Um, and then I've got to figure out, like, do they have, for, for dancing, do they have head things? Like head like hood? head hoods, like like the, the ski mask. You know, like the ones that the, they, they, they do in, in stereotypical... Um, ninja movies? Ninja movies, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, there are... Um, I've seen hoods for that. Uh, you could also do just a, a thin neoprene hood. Okay. You know, I've I've seen them cheap, like ten Cause, bucks. Because then I could I could get a gray one. Because one of the problems is you see my ears unless I basically turn my collar up and duct tape in there, yes. which pulling the tape off kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you want a hood. You definitely want a hood. <laughs> so okay, dan- like a like a then do dance suits come in gray? I'm pretty sure that they do. Yeah. Okay. Worst, to... worst case, you get it in white and dyed. But yeah, you'll have to sure. send me a link to some good places so I can get one. Because because the thing is, is 
the way the the seat suit set up now, I have to have two people help me get into the bloody thing. Mm. Um, and then uh, I need a- to see a picture of it too, because part of my head's going like. Wait, how does this functionally go together? Because I yeah, sort yeah. of know what you're talking about. Well, there's like... a, you know, it's basically looks like a chest plate that's made out of a seat. Uh-huh. There's a hat, which is made out of a hollowed out headrest. Uh-huh. And then uh, I took the bottom of the seat, uh, basically took the cover off, made it flat, and that sits on my lap. And then... How do you see? Oh, well, the, the, uh, this is, this is brilliant. Actually, this is one of the upgrades I want to do on Herbie is I got the idea from Herbie, um, uh, in the later movies, mm-hmm. you know, for you Herbie fans out there, if you watch the later movies, uh, they make the seats in the car taller mm-hmm. and they have a, um, they have a black section where the headrest would be. Oh. And the black section is mesh, uh-huh. see through mesh. Yes. And what they did is they stuck a guy in the back seat mm-hmm. and they drove him to the back seat, which by the way, um, you know, on my list of projects, extending the controls to the back seat, uh-huh. being able to drive Herbie from the back seat. Nice. Be awesome. Nice. Nice. And then, and then you get like a five-year-old kid sitting in the driver's seat <laughs> in a parade. Nice. Uh, or standing on the driver's seat, like, uh, like little Paco and Herbie goes bananas. Love it. Love it. Um, but, um, yeah, so it's a see-through mesh. And then what I did is I made a little panel that's the exact same shape as the cutout. Mm-hmm. And I just double stick taped it to the other front seat. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look like one seat has a mesh and one doesn't. Okay. Uh, what, um, I'm narrowing down my last few questions. Here. What would you say has been your most challenging project? Well, <laughs> they're so all, the, they're all the most challenging at the time. I mean, my next car project, and I really want to do this is a chitty, chitty, bang, bang roadster. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the style of a 1920s Bentley. To be, uh, to be clear for listeners, uh, the novel version. Of the yes. Car. yes. Hey, that's my roots, man. Mm-hmm. I learned to read, reading the book Chitty Chitty Bang Bang by mm-hmm. Ian Fleming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a great book. But like the Doctor Who movie, it's got a dodgy ending. <laughs> you know, it's, the first 90 pages are great. Mm-hmm. And then close the book and go take a walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, in the end, it ends up with gangsters and, and fudge and, and kids breaking into chocolate shops. But the car is really cool. You know, in the movie, it's this sort of Edwardian thing that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Not as impressive as a book. Mm-hmm. In the book, it's a V12 blown with a supercharger. Um, mm-hmm. Blown open-top roadster like the Le Mans cars of 1920 with giant fishtail exhausts, mm-hmm. huge wheels, and it, um, you know, it, it does all the, the, the tricks like floating and flying and it's got onboard radar. But it's basically, you know, if you look at all the Ian Fleming books, everybody remembers Goldfinger for the gadget car. Mm-hmm. The Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is really the gadget car. Right. <laughs> right, know? right. He never had any gadgets in the, in the books. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a neat little circular thing. So going to build the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And that's just... It's going to be a 10-year project in $600 increments. <laughs> what, what, what would be your best piece of advice for anyone just starting out in costuming or prop making? Find something you like and then figure out how to make it. Because the first project is going to suck. It's, you know, <laughs> you, you don't know any of the skills yet. Right. I mean, it's like, it's the same advice. You, if you want to make it yourself... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do your research, um, pick something you really like that you're going to be really happy with because it will take a little bit longer than you think. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, sometimes it goes together like this. I'm surprised that this costume came together so quickly. So am I. (laughs) This this Doctor Who costume. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's, you know, it's just all Ralph Wren stuff on eBay. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other piece of advice, it's a buyer's market. Nobody has any money. If you see something that you want on eBay... You know, be snarky. Ask them if they'll take a lower price. Mm-hmm. Because every almost every piece on this Doctor Who costume has been offered for double, you know, what I paid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just say, how much money will you take for this? Right, right. Will you take 50? No? Will you take 60? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Um, because, you know, people just want to get rid of stuff. And then take a look at what's been done before and choose your battles. Like, uh, I'm looking at uh, a lot of James Bond props, because James Bond props, there's so many of them, they're yeah, so great. Yeah. Um, each one of them is awesome, but, you know, it's it would take me a month 
of free time, which I don't have, because mm. uh, I'm working on you know six other car projects and the the bridge and the TARDIS console. But it would take me, you know, if I actually had the time, it would take me a month to build you know any given thing. Mm. Uh, and then you know if somebody else can do it, yeah, it's two hundred bucks or something like that. It's more than you wanted to spend, but mm. that's not worth the battle. Um, if you want to build something mm-hmm. and it hasn't been done before, and it's or if it's really what you want to build, do it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Adam Savage said something just glorious um, at a Maker Fair where he was talking about Pepacura, which is this uh, print program that allows you to t- to make anything out of three D, mm-hmm. uh, flatten it out, cut it into triangles, and then it'll give you essentially paint by numbers and tell you how to tape it together to make the thing, mm-hmm. and then you can shellac it or um, fiberglass it and make armor or make whatever and and adam savage says you know he was describing this process to somebody he knew that worked in special effects and said yes you know you can't afford fifteen hundred two thousand dollars for iron man armor but you can make it yourself for you know three four hundred bucks and lots of time mm-hmm. and they say wow that's the long way around he said no but you if that's what you want to do and you've got the passion for it do it mm-hmm. um the other thing is know what kind of tools you you have available yes because these days honestly like uh you know getting into this costume thing i'm amazed at how many great tools you guys have like this uh what is a spoon flower oh yeah where you can print your own fabric yeah now there's no excuse for you not to have what you want almost yeah almost you want a you want electronics Mm -hmm. learn um, you know, PCB Express or, or one of the free circuit board layout programs. Mm-hmm. Learn, uh, learn how to build the circuit you want. Mm-hmm. And you, for 10 bucks, you can get 10 circuit boards etched and then you solder them yourself and you can have any electronics you want. Hmm. You know, that used to be something that only big businesses could afford and you'd have to have custom stencils, but it's all CNC, computer mm-hmm. numeric control now. Mm-hmm. And they do small runs. Um, Machining. I do a lot um, just because, uh, you know, I often I start building something before I work out all the last little bits of the design. So I do a lot of my props on the hand mill, mm-hmm. um, which is a, uh, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, mill is essentially a drill press with a table that has very fine pitch screws in both directions or in three directions so that you can essentially move a tool around. Mm-hmm. But if you understand how one of these machines works or how things can be cut out, mm-hmm. you can send it out to some place like uh, MFG.com, which is allows for all the world's machine shops to bid on your work. Hmm. And even if you don't know how to machine, you can make that. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky that since you know my office, I design precision optics equipment. I know a lot of good machinists, mm-hmm. and they like the work that I give them, and they and so they occasionally do you know Aston Martin pro- uh, parts for us uh, at reasonable cost and things nice. like that. Nice. Um, if you want to sculpt something, mm-hmm. you can have it 3D printed. It's, it's just anything you can think of can be made from scratch. But then again, almost anything you can think of, you can repurpose an item that already exists. That too. So, you know, the Mystery Science Theater robots are really, you know, the place the place to start with that kind of design. It's a head. No, it's a gumball machine. Yeah, it's I... two gumball machines put together. Right. It's a head. No, it's a bowling pin that you cut in half and put elastic on it. Mm-hmm. If you want your prop to make noise, mm-hmm. Find something on eBay or some toy that makes that noise. Take it apart. Figure out how it works. See if you can stuff it in there. Um, and if you if you know how to look at things, I mean, uh, you know, Scott and Vicky talk about uh, going, or, or I imagine Malachi would talk about going through Home Depot and looking uh-huh. at shapes. Yeah. Or Paul Salomov was uh, when he had you uh, when, when he was on here. He was talking about looking for shapes. Mm-hmm. Start looking at shapes. Yes. Um, you know, spend some time. I mean, if you want electronic parts or if you want things that work well, mm-hmm. go to a junkyard for a pick a part. You can spend a day learning how things work. You get in for five bucks and they'll essentially give you a nuisance charge on anything you pull out. Mm-hmm. Since you're not pulling out car parts that people actually need, you'd be pulling out like window motors right. or things like that. You know, you want something to work, uh, you know, slide up and down, mm-hmm. go buy an antenna, pull it out of a car in a junkyard. Mm-hmm. Um, go on eBay, go on Craigslist, go to some surplus store um, and just take stuff apart. You, you know, 
figure out the erector set of how the world works mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and you can make anything like uh, this uh i've been talking to another one of your guests about this uh this little goofy radiation detector that they had in ghost light andy teal and um you know the on the show i remember from the book that the mike tucker the guy uh, the guy who's the special effects uh, man on Doctor Who, he said he just carved out of wood, made it in fiberglass, and then made a little blinky light in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been looking around at finding what kind of noisemakers I can get cheaply that make a Geiger counter sound. Mm-hmm. And then I know plenty of places that make LED flashers. And then it's just a case of designing it. I'll probably have it laser cut. Mm-hmm. Good to go. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, is that... Uh, that give you enough of a toolkit? If you don't, find me on Facebook. I'll, 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 you know, it's like that. It's like that prop uh, that that um, that panel that we had at Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. It's just, what do you want to make? Okay, here, here, so you can do it. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, it's much more fun than actually making it because that that's a lot of work. Yeah, coming up with the idea and, and handing it off to somebody is a lot easier. You're right, right. And then a few months later, you go, oh yeah, that looks great. <laughs> that looks great, and I had a hand in it, <laughs> and I didn't have to buy my blood, sweat, and tears into that. Yeah. Um. So uh, yes, and and actually, uh, when we do Galfrey again, um, we'll have to have you back on on those panels because I'm running the panel track again. Yay! Cool. Um. Uh. So what do you feel is the most important lesson? you've learned i actually learned this really early on and i talked about this on the prop panel Mm -hmm. you know the props and things are neat Mm -hmm. and uh but you're uh you know they'll last a year 10 years something like that a month a Mm -hmm. week you have to live with your body for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. so you know anytime you think you want to sacrifice some safety or something for the uh for the you know the the cause of getting a prop done mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. uh when i did the mystery science theater set mm-hmm. i gave myself lungs that looked like a smoker because i sprayed so much primer in that garage to create that entire set mm-hmm. and and painted so much spray paint but i never wore a mask mm. and i realized after that summer that if i ever did that again i'd probably uh i'd probably start coughing up my lungs mm. don't deal with chemicals in an enclosed area mm-hmm. if you do something for a day and you don't like it it's not worth it stop mm-hmm. um or sort out the um the safety uh, issues i mean like things like you know stop and change your razor blades when they start to get a little dull because then they start slipping and you can cut yourself mm-hmm. um i ended up uh, i was building something on herbie and i ended up having to get stitches because i didn't want to take the extra time to put on some gloves Mm. uh cutting some sheet metal Mm -hmm. it's um you just gotta that's the advice is to just take care of yourself because the most important prop making skill or costume making skill or just general making skill you've got Mm -hmm. is your head Mm -hmm. and it's inside your brain and so you've got to make sure that your brain can do what it's capable of Mm -hmm. and not to hold yourself back officially in any way right no no good advice safety first (laughs) <laughs> and the other advice is um do the props that you like um you know don't try and impress anybody else because you're not and uh, uh, don't don't fall prey to letting armchair critics get to you yeah yeah so the thing is um that's one of the fun things actually at the car shows is that every now and then somebody will critique one of the cars mm-hmm. it's like oh that that knob isn't right on the dash of the batmobile it's like oh, okay no problem how's your batmobile coming yeah <laughs> you know yeah or just like you know like the, this thing with the sonic screwdriver and the people uh wow. the people the people fighting you say who cares it's a it's a flashlight have some fun with it mm-hmm. if it's not fun don't do it mm-hmm. it's it's actually funny uh probably the worst place i've seen this is with the herbie the love bug people which is so strange which is so strange because you know talking to you i mean you can understand star trek fandom yeah. you can understand star wars fandom yeah. but herbie fandom and like the you know the you know trying to hide details on the car that everybody wants or something mm-hmm. like that it's just like get a life wow <laughs> i i just would never expect it from herbie fans it just it oh like, they're they're brutal wow they're 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 mean it's sometimes it's almost like saying like oh those care bears fans they're yeah brutal. yeah they're brutal it's like what I, I, this is something that doesn't come up much, but I think you might have an interesting take on this. Uh, recently, someone was bringing up an idea that if you 
have you have an original in front of you. You're recreating it. Could be a costume, could be a prop, could be a car. You catch something in the original that clearly is a mistake, but it's there. <laughs> it's part of the original. Do you replicate said mistake or do you idealize it in your finished product? Well, I think it's a lot like when you're talking with uh, the Sutek about the Sutek helmet with yes. the, who is that? Andy. Andy. Um, if it's part of the character, leave it. If it's mm -hmm. a good story, leave it. If it bugs you, fix it. Mm -hmm. um, if it's going to impinge on the safety of the part, fix it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the case in point, my black Herbie the Love Bug car, the, uh, the horse, the hate bug. Mm -hmm. I left, I mean, the, the, the black horse, the hate bug car, I left all of the really terrible build qualities in it because I think that's kind of fun mm -hmm. uh, to look at. You know, this car was built in, in, in a month. They shot this movie in three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, there's still spots on the car where there's duct tape residue where they, they tape microphones to the side of the car. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't fix the areas uh, on the car where they, uh, you know, there are holes in the body for the chrome molding, and they they bondoed over it and then painted over it, mm -hmm. and it's bubbling just a little bit, and probably bu it was bubbling. And so I actually, when I had to take apart the doors to put working windows in this car, mm -hmm. which was something I wasn't going to, um, I wasn't going to compromise on because I didn't want rain to get in the car. Mm -hmm. um, I actually took a huge chunk of bondo that was about an inch long off cut it off with a Dremel tool and glued it back into the car um, so that it still had the, it still had the, the original crazy build quality, but I could fit a window on the inside. You know, cheating is, you know, whenever anybody gives me grief about my daily driver BMW, mm -hmm. um, you know, because there's a couple little dents in it. I haven't repaired any of them because I'm going to be cutting holes in that car for some more of the gadgets and then I'll just get it all painted and done mm -hmm. at the end, you know, maybe a couple of years from now. Right. And anybody notices, oh, you got a dent here. I'm like, yeah. And they shot the original one with ball bearing guns <laughs> <laughs> all up and down the door. Mm -hmm. Which one looks better? I know. I know, right? <laughs> So, so where can people find you online? Oh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't document this stuff. That's a, that's a set of skills that I don't have. So I, um, I, it depends on what project you want to know about. If you want to know about the movie cars, you can go to starcarcentral.com. Mm -hmm. If you want to know about the TARDIS console, you can go to a certain blog run by Bob Mitch. <laughs> um, if you want to know about my other Doctor Who costume that I'm putting together, you can go to that same blog by Bob Mitch. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to know about the Star Trek project, which you should, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, you can go to newstarship.com. Mm -hmm. And if you like Star Trek, there's all kinds of great uh, pieces that we've had donated by people from S William Shatner to, to uh, some of the people that were involved behind the scenes of Star Trek. They just donated stuff. They're like, we like your set. Mm -hmm. Here's some stuff to sell on your Kickstarter page. And we just price it as low as we think the traffic will bear. Because mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to rip fans off. We just, mm -hmm. you know, and this is all, uh, you know, it's it's all fan made. And we, we'd rather everybody have some things and enjoy them than mm -hmm. try and get top dollar. Mm -hmm. So there's lots and lots of cool Star Trek stuff for mm -hmm. 40 bucks, 50 bucks, 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, the, I think we probably sold the cheapest William Shatner autograph that we've yeah, that's, sure, that's right? ever been seen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, cause he was, that's a great story because William Shatner liked what we were doing. So he actually just unsolicited sent us some autographed items. He said, can this help you? I hope so. Wow. And wow, I had, you know, I had heard stories about William Shatner, yeah. about how he had kind of a big ego. Yeah. But, you know, I, I looked into it a little bit more, you know, and he's a great guy. He's hmm. a really nice guy. He really loves charities. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was really proud to uh, have him be a part of the Star Trek project. That's awesome. <laughs> but I've got a question for you. Okay. This, this was my, um, so... In between doing all the, uh, after doing all the Doctor Who stuff, which was sort of toys and playing around, um, I did the Mystery Science Theater movie uh, in my garage. The Time in the Ronnie. Yeah, okay. which was probably one of the biggest projects I'd ever done. I spent a lot, I spent, you know, a huge amount of money. You know, for a high school kid, $2,000. I think I did that mo movie for $2,000. Wow. $2, wow. Okay. Wow, okay. I mean, 
you know, you look at a movie budget and two thousand dollars is nothing. Oh, yeah, I just but, know. But at that age, yeah, yes. yeah. So that was just like everything I ever owned, mm-hmm. and I went into it, and I and I did it, and it was okay, mm-hmm. and it had some neat parts, and I liked the parts that were original. Mm-hmm. Like we came up with a robot for the mad scientist to have, and that was mm-hmm. the best part of the movie, and that was our original stuff. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, and I'm like. Why am I spending so much time and effort and money on somebody else's property? Because mm, mm-hmm. I'd wanted to be a filmmaker, and then I'm looking I'm like I can't show this anywhere. It's not mine. Right? It's Mystery Science Theater and Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and neither of which I own. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, why do you, and why do you think the cosplay people spend so much time and effort and money on replicating other people's designs? Well, um, this gets into, I think, a couple of things. Uh, I think first, it always comes back to what, that magic you talk about with the kids in the Herbie car. Right, it's sort of like, it's the joke that everybody knows, and it's it's sort of a shared set of references. It's a shared set of references. Uh, It's a connection to, I think, to a lot of people, to childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my in my case, uh, you know, I first saw Doctor Who when I was a kid. That's why Tom Baker is always my go-to. <laughs> uh, Superman, Zorro, those kind of characters. Uh, John Steed. I just did a John Steed, and I watched him all the time when I was in like junior high. And uh, so there's that's a, a good role model. Yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. John <laughs> Steed is awesome. Um, and so I, I think there's it's partly that you, you wanna you wanna live out that character you wanna join in that that fun because let's face it when you're a kid when you're watching those James Bond movies as a kid you wanna be Bond you wanna be yeah you do fun so I think that's part of it um, I think the next part of it is there's the the challenge of figuring out how to do it I, I was thinking about this because I was thinking well why do I do all this stuff because mm-hmm. I'm not uh, you know I'm obviously not trying to be cool by having a Herbie no. the Love Bug. <laughs> no, I mean, could you imagine this were 20 years ago and you're doing this? I mean, you kind of were, but but back then it was so much more underground to be a nerd and to be into yeah. this stuff. You really couldn't wear it on your sleeve like you can now. Well, I was looking back and I realized that for some reason, the period between like 1993 and mm-hmm. 1997 mm-hmm. is where all my stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. Everything that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Who was from the 1997 yeah. movie. I own a Herbie from the 1997 TV movie, mm-hmm. which was the one that I saw. I don't, something about that sort of mm-hmm. early teen age yeah. is where you know your uh, your RAM fills up with all of the uh, all of the iconic things, and then everything after is uh, <laughs> yeah, it's is cool, but not. Is not uh, it's not part of the known universe and uh, you know the way of life. Yeah, it doesn't resonate the same way. There's yeah. a few exceptions, but you're right. It's it's like it's harder for it to break through the wall, and it's almost like there are things before that that might have seeped through because of syndication or yeah. reruns. Well, what's it they say that anything that happens before you're seven uh-huh. is just is old fashioned part of the known universe. Uh-huh. Anything that happens between like seven and eighteen uh-huh. is cool and hip. Uh-huh. Everything, um, and then everything that happens after that uh-huh. is uh, is newfangled and disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could go with that. I could go with that. I don't know. The I, new James Bond is pretty good. I don't. I don't. I, I do like the new James Bond, but it definitely <laughs> applies to to I think a lot of my philosophy on Doctor Who because boy oh boy, I mean they can throw all the money that they want at it, and I I do enjoy the new series. But for all its cheap glory, I, I still say it's never better than it was with Tom Baker. You know? I don't know. For me, uh, this is probably opening a can of worms, but I I read all the books, uh, the 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 new adventure books. Right. Yeah. No, I read a lot of. Them and too. then mm-hmm. and then we got Christopher Eccleston, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that's the Doctor that I know. This sort of a uh, little bit scarred, little bit darker, but little your, bit mysterious. Your first Doctor was what McCoy? Yeah. Okay. But it's I like I like the the way that they reinvented the show as like a you know like a shell shock soldier. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna shrug and say okay because I don't want to get into this can of worms either. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know you weren't as big of a fan. I'm not as big of a fan. I'm enjoying the uh, I'm enjoying the old cheesy stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. That's good. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I just prefer. Well, you were, we were talking about this, this with uh, Face of Evil. Like I like how the Doctor was portrayed there. You know, yeah, yeah. with the the way he was good with his lines and I don't know. Being uh, witty and scientificy, but uh, anyway, 
Uh, to each their own, I know. I, I'm not. I, I, you can't dictate to people like this is only the good Doctor Who. I mean, people are gonna like. All right, so so I'll put your Facebook link up, and oh, and for anyone interested on the RPF, if you join the RPF, you can also talk to Brian as Too Many Cars as your alias. Yes, and you're Man of Steel twenty five. I am Man of Steel twenty five. I guess we're nerdy enough to have memorized each other's internet handles. That's right. I always hate internet handles. That's I, why I like Facebook because you don't. It's it. That's who you are. Then, yeah. then when I meet somebody in person, it's like, so are you Captain Sparrow twenty <laughs> seven, <laughs> or are you Bond sexy face? <laughs> well, internet. I hope you enjoyed talking to me, and I hope we can be friends. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being on, Brian. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for being on, Brian, and we'll be back next week with more Costume Shop Talk here at Costume Station Zero.